Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 71 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between, and part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 at Built in Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt Greco. He is Tony Ambrose. Tony, how are you doing tonight? Witty, witty, witty nation. Let's talk about the Bills game. A little pitchy. I'm not going to lie, a little pitchy. Yep. <laughs> I, I am extremely dehydrated, <laughs> and I blame it completely for that. I knew on my last note, I'm like, oh, I'm committing to this note, but it is the wrong note. You committed to it, and we appreciate that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello, Whitney Nation. But I would not give you a ticket to Hollywood, is what I'm saying. Ooh. This is American Idol. Well, okay, let me let my voice. I've been using my voice all day. <laughs> Today was a heavy lecture day at school. I announced a game tonight. I'm my vocal cords are on their last are on their last legs here, but I'm bringing it to the table. You are carrying it. it. You are yeah. a warrior like Josh Allen was on That's Sunday. That's what I'm saying. I'm a warrior for our listeners, and I hope our listeners appreciate appreciate Tony's what's effort. happening here. <laughs> oh, they Tony, don't appreciate it. They don't. No, they never do. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate what we do. Tony, we have a lot to discuss regarding the Bills-Buccaneers matchup from this past Sunday, and we will get into all that in a minute. But first, let's give out some Hansel Awards for what is hot in sports. Because as you know, as the listeners know, male model extraordinaire Hansel, always so hot, just never turns it off. Hansel, so hot right now. Hansel. Tony, would you like to do the honors? Who are you giving your Hansel Award to this week? My Hansel Award this week is going to the hottest thing in sports, and that's disease eradication. Oh, very hot. <laughs> hot topic. I would say it's the hottest thing going on in sports right now. If we look at the Browns and the Rams that have in the 20s of players that are on the COVID list. Don't know how they even plan on functioning come Sunday. But come Sunday, it'll be all right. Because come Sunday, I'll be holding you tight. And speaking of, hold, speaking of holding on tight, there's another disease that's been eradicated, and his name is Urban Meyer. <laughs> yes, and a disease in itself, yes. <laughs> yes. So that's another disease eradication that has happened this week that we are all happy to say. Maybe no one happier than the 25 to 28-year-old crowd of Jacksonville. <laughs> you know who's happy what? about Urban, Urban Meyer getting fired is Ohio Bars. Oh, yes, of course. Their revenue is just skyrocketed. Oh, sudden. absolutely. Park Street Cantina in Columbus, they don't even know what's about to hit them on that dance floor. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Tony, two diseases. It's a big week. <laughs> it's a big week for disease eradication. Uh, Urban I, Meyer, not a good person, apparently. Well, I'm not here to judge. <laughs> well, we don't need to because the I think <laughs> the media and everyone and all the stories coming out are... We don't uh, need to. The jury has submitted their... What's the term you would say here? I'm not a lawyer. The jury has submitted their... Uh, whatever it is. Whatever the jury submits. But Urban Meyer, you know, as, as I said... Ruling. Ed, they're ruling. They're ruling. There That's it is. The jury's Nailed ruling. it. Nailed it. Yep. Ten, ten seconds too late, but we'll take it. When, when you edit that, it's like the listener... It's going to be amazing. The listeners aren't even going to know. It'll literally be you saying, what is that called? The ruling... <laughs> <laughs> in, oh. in a very different tonality than <laughs> yeah. your previous speech. 
I cut out the middleman there. Even say the jury has submitted their ruling. <laughs> ruling. Emphasis on the ruling. Suddenly interrupting me while I'm saying it. <laughs> Urban Meyer, uh, what was the final straw? Was it kicking his kicker? Well, it seems it seems uh, to have been. It seems to have been. He's also called his assistant coaches terrible and asked for their resume. He said he had better assistant coaches at Bowling Green. Just does not seem like a good person, <laughs> honestly. No, Deme- I mean, demeaning, when you're kicking the kicker. When you're kicking the kicker, yes. As as the Twitterverse was saying, Urban Meyer officially, upon his firing, became the highest paid kicker in the <laughs> league. Mm-hmm. That's not what I thought you were going to say, because in my Twitterverse, on my galaxy of the Twitterverse, people were saying that it feels like a Seinfeld bit. It does. Where George, yeah, George is saying, after months of fruitless attempts, I finally got fired. For what? I kicked the kicker. You kicked the kicker? I kicked the kicker. <laughs> it does sound like a Zyvel bit. Like yeah. Urban Meyer doing uh, the, the Costanza where he tries to get fired. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah. he was one step away from Bodysuit Man, right? That's trip. what I'm saying. I mean, he was walking around wearing Tony Baselli's pants. <laughs> Tony Baselli. <laughs> How sad is that that that's the Jaguar legend we go to? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Tony Baselli. That- Mark Brunel. No, Tony Vaselli. No, it's got to be the first ever draft pick, yeah. Tony Vaselli, yeah. That's what I'm saying, the, fir- the first Texan as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but also Urban Meyer, out, COVID, in, right? We should do like an out, in, what's in, what's out. Was that an out old, not? no, was that an old Nick Swartzen bit? In and out? No, in and out was like uh, some magazine. Oh, I don't remember. I don't know. Amazing eyes, like this is it, it, maybe it's People magazine. Was like this says it's in and this is out. No, I think it was like Nick Swart, the comedian Nick Swartzen did a character on David Spade's Comedy Central talk show. This is really out there where he was like in and out was the segment. And it was like in barbecues, out soupy cues, and he played this like completely like <laughs> <laughs> like ridiculous character. But yeah, that, that's all I remember. We should reinvigorate that one. That sounds like a great segment. I'll see you in 72. See you in se- episode, episode 72. 72. Which, brings, which brings up Spoiler. another issue. Which brings up another issue, man. What, Tony? How can we never, how can we never say the player's numbers <laughs> for the episode number anymore? Really? You're going to bring this up now? Really well, now? Well, now is a better time than any because well, you know so. as well as I do. As we're recording. 70, stop 71 the recording. is a huge... <laughs> stop, stop the tape. Stop the tape. 71 is an important number for the Bills organization. That's what I'm saying. 71 is a very important number for the Bills. A lot of history behind the number 71. A lot of history. Uh, uh, and it starts and ends, of course, with Mac Yoho. No, I'm course. just kidding. It starts and, starts and ends, of course, with Ed Wang. Ed Wang. The first ever Chinese player. The first ever the Ed Wang uh, memory I have is I went to a game and someone was randomly wearing an Ed Wang jersey. Definitely not part of his family. I can guarantee you that. Mm. So, interesting purchase. But good for that person. Good for Ed Wang. Um, good purchase. Yeah. We currently have Ryan Bates at 71. Mm-hmm. Marshall Newhouse. Cyrus Quanjo. Sam Cyrus Quanjo was a pick I was very excited about yes. on a certain draft night. Matthew that's kind of where it ended. As you mentioned. Yeah. But probably the best 71 of Bill's history is Jason Peters. Of course, Jason of course. Peters. The one who one got, the one who got away. Had. The one who got away. He is truly the one. Yes, I, I couldn't was agree more. JP's first touchdown pass, I believe? Was it really? I, think, I did not remember I think it, it that way. I think it was. It was uh, Jason Peters as an eligible receiver at the goal line. Mm. 
I think it was JP's first ever touchdown pass. Uh, nothing, nothing put more joy on my face than watching Jason Peters in his first one, two years before they converted him to a starting caliber offensive tackle. Uh, having him play special teams and watching just the freakishly athletic 320-pound guy book it down the field at top speed and try to look at or try to watch people get in his way. Nothing was funny. <laughs> It was it was a it was a joy. It was a spectacle to watch that from Jason Peters. So, well, you'll so, be enjoying that for many years to come with uh, with who? Shoot, what's the guy's name? Ed Wang. <laughs> yeah, that's it. With that. <laughs> when we re- when we resign Ed Wang, bring him out of retirement. Put him on special teams. Put him on special teams. That's where he belongs anyway. Yeah, I guess so. Tony, oh, I, I guess I guess we'll have to bring back the. Uh, corresponding jersey number to the episode segment and we open the shows with bring it back the show's uh, been all downhill since you since you dropped it. since i dropped it's all downhill well, it's not, let's be honest tony it's been downhill since episode one come on <laughs> 70 <laughs> 70 more just downhill yep. we are we are the, we are the prices right mountain climber we were great we were up and then just fell off a cliff very quickly you were up he was down yes exactly he then was, you then then Witty Not Funny was up. Witty Not Funny Lost was down. <laughs> I have two podcasts. <laughs> two podcasts, that's right. Yes, yeah, our Lost spin-off episode, or a show that it will be coming soon. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Oh, we, we, we both hope so. If we, could uh-huh. ever, if we could ever find the time. Well, so the idea of watching and or analyzing Lost camera, is actually... Camera a, zoomed a in on Dr. Jack's it. eye. <laughs> Zooms out. Yeah. <laughs> There's a hat. Lost, lost is a major commitment. Uh, it should be. Uh, it's a Tony, very major commitment. <laughs> Tony, I'm giving my Hans Award to uh, the boot. Oh. Not, not only is... An uh, ambiguous boot. An I'm ambiguous sure. boot. Not only a physical boot, as in our savior, our chosen one, J17, sustaining an injury this past Sunday. We'll talk about it in our Bills review. But coming out of the locker room wearing a boot, not a good sign, but... Hopefully things aren't as bad as it seems. But also the metaphorical boot, like uh, Jazzy Jeff getting thrown out uh, or getting the boot from Uncle Phil on Fresh Prince. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Uncle Phil. Um, I'm starting right at the top. Bill, speaking of Bill's legends, O.J. getting booted off parole this week. O.J.'s a well, free, that's a positive. O.J.'s a free man. He is free to go. Uh-huh. It only took him, what, 40 years? Yeah, kind of. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we talked I don't about. Know. We talked about he has play- the freest Twitter account I follow. <laughs> it's true. Anything uh, goes on that account. Oh, OJ. What would we, what would we do without you? Tony, it would be a lot safer. <laughs> probably the world would be a lot safer. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We talked about COVID. Who knows if the world would be safer? Tony, we talked about the players getting the boot from their facilities due to COVID outbreaks. You mentioned the the Rams and the Browns and who else? Washington football team has a. Oh, yeah. 20-plus players. It's just throughout the whole sports spectrum, every league, the NHL is talking about shutting down for two weeks. They're not sending their players to the Olympics. The NBA is riddled with COVID issues. And I guess Major League Baseball is the odd man out. They're just on strike. So, I mean, I guess they're avoiding the COVID stuff for now, and rightfully so. But fans booted from stadiums, from unruly behavior. I see videos all the time every week of unruly fans getting booted from stadiums. Super fans, the chief super fan, I forget his name, what is it, like Red X or something, got booted from the stadium, uh, and we talked about Irvin Meyer being fired. So I am giving the Hans Award to Das Boot. That's a good one. Yes, Das Boot. 
What else do you got? Or, or do you want to talk about this Bills game? Because we got a lot to talk about. Oh, there's a lot to talk about in the fourth quarter of this Bills game. And not that much to talk about for the first three quarters. <laughs> I guess not. Uh, let's take a break. We'll cue the Marv. Marvel graciously serenade us with his majestic voice, just like yours, to oh, start this you. episode. <laughs> and we will be back after the break to talk some Bills. Take it away, Marv. Go, go. Bills fight, Bills go. And we are back, listeners. We start our Bills review the same way we always start, with the So Bad It's Good game review. Tony, are you ready? You got your notes? I mean, I have my yellow legal pad ready to rip this thing apart. Yes, (laughs) please. I look forward to it. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. We head down to Everybody Loves Raymond James Stadium where the Bills tried to go Romano Imano with the Super Bowl champs. Josh Alanis Morissette gave fans a jagged little throw, putting the team on his back to the tune of over 400 all-purpose yards. Put the ball in your MVP player's hands to try and win the game? Isn't it ironic, don't you think? In a throwback episode, Davis the Menace and Cole Leave it to Beasley were cutting and cleaving their way through the Tampa Bay D, but Levante Larry David said, eh, as the Bucks curved the Bills' comeback enthusiasm. Mike Bob Evans wasn't down on the farm, but up on the hide as he leaped over the Bills' safety for a touchdown. And stop me if you've heard this one before or maybe 32 other times before, Tom Brady beats the Bills. Bucks win 33-27 in overtime. Tony, the Bills drop to 7-6, and six, occupy the last playoff spot. Suffice it to say, not a position any of us would have pre- predicted or seen this team being in back in September. Uh, but if you want to give some notes about the uh, review, the floor is yours, sir. In Romano Imano, out. Leave it to Beasley. Oh. Ouch. All right. I'll take it. Romano Milano is excellent. Thank you. I, I excellent. thought that was good. Who doesn't love a, an Everybody Loves Raven reference? Well, I, I mean, it's not an Everybody Loves Raven reference because he played Ray Barone. Right. Everybody Loves Raven. So it's just a this person exists in our society reference. And starred in that show, yes. Yeah, it started in the show. I guess that's somewhat related. It's some, <laughs> it is related. He started the show. <laughs> Tony, what, what's going on with this Bills team? Two straight losses now, and and they really have them their their backs against the wall. They put themselves in this position where they're on the verge of missing the playoffs if they don't essentially go three and one, if not run the table at this point. Four games left in the year. They need to pretty much win out. Just not what I, or I think a lot of Bills fans saw in the uh, the preseason hype, the preseason media darling Buffalo Bills and where they'd be at 14 weeks into the season. Did you? Uh, I did not think that it would be like this. I did think that we would be, I mean, I shouldn't say I thought. I was leery of anybody saying that we were going to be better than last year. I didn't see that happening. But no, I didn't think it would be, I mean, I thought we would still win the division. And right. part of that is that I thought that Patriots would still be, like, crumbling in a joke. <clears throat> and in many ways, I still think they are. I think they're just getting lucky. Nah. But this isn't, about the, this isn't about the Patriots. This is about the damn Bills. Right. Are the Bills, uh, getting, so, are the Bills getting unlucky? That's four games now where it's pretty much come down to one play, one possession. We're you looking can't at, win one possession games. Everyone knows that. But we're we, o, we're zero and four in those games. We're looking at the last two weeks: loss in overtime, 
which, you know, one one play changes it, whether it's a holding call on Stefan Diggs in the end zone or pass interference call. Like, one play changes it. We have first down and, and goal from, what, the, the six, the seven this game to win the game. Uh-huh. They can't punch it in. We look at last week with the Patriots game, just putting together one drive to win the game. Jacksonville game, of course, again, just one drive. And then the Titans game, Josh slips at the end. It's a game of inches. Every given Sunday, every cliche. But the Bills in those close games are 0-4 this year. Last year, I think they were like 5-1 and in one-score games. So uh-huh. that's the big difference to me. Even if they go 500 in those four games, if they win two and lose two, you're looking at a 9-4 and team right now. And this is a totally different conversation. This is a totally different podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's what so many people forget is the difference between a win and a loss is pure, like is purely emotional. Well, it's purely emotional, is what I mean. I mean, we would not be having the conversation that we're going to have later about the run game, about the run defense, about the referees, the officiating. None of that conversation happens. That's forgotten about. That's forgiven and forgotten if these things went, uh, if these things went, you know, just a little bit the other way. A quarter of an inch the other way would have missed completely. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. Uh, Tony, before we get into the offense and defense, I think we got to start off with the officiating. Hot button topic. Uh-huh. The officiating was, and and I and I need to preface this by saying I am not one to blame officiating on whether the Bills win or lose week in and week out. You know, there's there's this cliche, there's this whatever you want to call it that the Bills always get screwed because they're small market and you know what uh-huh. would be, like conspiracy theory conspiracy theory esque, right? I I I will put a dozen reasons above officiating as to why the Bills lose week after week. I can't do it this week. <laughs> the officiating yeah. was atrocious. We had a conversation last week about it when I was trying to say that officiating is something that you got to take a look at. It's and you're it's, resistant, and now I'm like, yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's a it's pro- bad. Um, where where my problem lies is we've said it before. Officiating is bad. Like we know it's bad. It's bad week after mm-hmm. week. If it's not consistently bad, that's when I have a problem. Like, if it's inconsistent between teams within a game, that's where I have a problem. So I I always say on this podcast, you know, I am of the mindset that if you're getting held, if you're whatever, if there's a passer, like, throw your hands up if you're a player, and you'll get the call 85% of the time. Maybe nothing happens, but if you throw your hands up, the refs are not smart enough to think something didn't happen. So I know the refs are dumb. (laughs) I know the officiating's bad, but... When it's so one-sided as it was Sunday, to not have one holding or pass interference call go for us, there and where there's clear evidence, there's it's not even like ticky-tacky stuff. It's Stefan Diggs getting his jersey tugged on a go route, like clearly his jersey is being pulled. That's a pass interference by definition every single time. At the end of the game, passing the end zone, Stefan Diggs literally two hands. I don't know if it was Murphy Bunting or Ross Cockrell, whoever. Two hands from the defender pulling Stefan Diggs down. That's that's a pass interference by definition. Like I I don't know how you miss this stuff. And where I land on it is officiating is bad, obviously, and it's going to continue to be bad until the NFL has the audacity to put some onus, to put some blame, to admit their officials are bad. Like the uh-huh. NFL does everything they can to protect officials. They did it the one year. They tried one for one year 
it never took because they don't want to make their official look bad. But they tried for one year to make pass interference a challengeable play. Like you can challenge whether that was a pass interference or not. That lasted one year. And I think like there was some ridiculous stats about like 75% of the time, like it was not overturned or something. Uh-huh. Like, the refs just never want to admit mistake. And until the NFL is willing to come to the conclusion that human error is part of sports. It's okay that these officials get things wrong. It's not a perfect system, and we don't expect it to be. That's why there's you need to admit fault. It's going to remain bad. The officiating is going to remain bad. If you keep protecting these officials, it's going to remain bad, and we're going to keep thinking we're getting screwed. Like Until they are ready to admit that officials make mistakes, it, it, we're going to keep seeing this. It drives me nuts. I would say it drove me. It drove me nuts on this past game, of course. But I agree with you that I already have a low expectation for officials against us. <clears throat> I am always kind of ready to blame the officials. I'm ready to blame anybody that we're getting screwed. That you know we're getting the short end of the stick in some way. Yeah. That our players are getting the short end of the stick in some way. Maybe it's because they have a bad coach. Maybe it's because of poor officiating. But what you didn't mention in this is that. I mean, you talked about inconsistency, but in every example that you said of what was pass interference, those things were pass interference because of the Levi Wallace pass interference in overtime. That proves the inconsistency. Absolutely. Levi Wallace should never have gotten called for his pass interference in overtime. When When Mike Evans wraps his arms around the person, listeners, you go to the nearest person, and hug them tight and see if they can turn around. <laughs> like, it is literally impossible. Like, oh, well, Levi Wallace didn't turn around. Of course he didn't. It's impo- it's physically impossible for him when a 6'5", 230-pound guy is hugging him. Of course he's not going to turn around. And I thought he did turn around, actually, on top of that. So it, I also it, think this it was is completely one of like the proudest moments. This is one of the proudest moments I've had on this podcast. <laughs> that we are finally encouraging our listeners to spread a little love. Exactly. Go and hug the person near you. This and, is what a podcast should be about. And see if you can Let's, figure out what pass interference is these days. The old witty not funny hug and twist, baby. <laughs> Trademark pending. Absolutely. The hug and Put twist. Put it on a shirt. It's the old hug and twist. <laughs> you won't get 15 yards for it. Not a, not a penalty in my book. Not a penalty in my household. No under flags the, under here. This roof. No flags for love here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tony, the stats are wild when it comes to the Bills <laughs> getting holding or pass interference. Josh Allen and the Bills offense get a holding or pass interference every 82 dropbacks. Josh Allen has. I think the next closest one is like 50 or 40. Like, not mm-hmm. Josh Allen is far and away, and the Bills' offense is far and away, the least offensive, or the least calls for them. There's 502 pass attempts. There's been two holds and eight pass interferences on 502 pass attempts this year for the Bills. Like, again, lowest in the league. One opposing defender has been flagged for holding against the Bills this year. One in 14 games. And That's that, insane. And that title goes to Xavier, Xavier Howard of the Dolphins, who's been flagged uh-huh. for These stats are insane. And what makes me think, based on my rant from a minute ago about how the NFL does not like to have their officials look dumb and likes to perfect their officials, I'm thinking this coming Sunday against the Panthers, the Bills are going to get about like five pass interference calls called for them. Well, they damn well better. <laughs> they damn well better is right. There's no way those Panthers. But it's, it's just 
like you read those stats and they're just so alarming and uh-huh. so off base when you have a wide receiving core that specializes in route running. I think that holding and pass interference can be called every single play. They're, these guys are just too quick, too fast, too athletic for it not to be called every play. And that's where the consistency comes in. Obviously, it's not going to be called every play. I know that. But when you have route running extraordinaires like Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, to have a holding or pass interference get called on twice or 10 times on 502 pass attempts, and plus you got to times that by, what, four, three or four, based on how many routes are being run at that during that play, uh-huh. it's, it's just crazy. The numbers don't add up. And is it a conspiracy against the Bills? We don't get into conspiracies here, but they're against the small markets, Tony. <laughs> so we don't get into conspiracies because we're presenting it as a fact. Yes, it is facts. We're presenting small the numbers. Getting those. We're presenting the Yeah, numbers. I know. We got supporting evidence. We got supporting evidence. It's here. I'm on board. The jury ruling would go for The jury ruling. The jury has ruled. These are proven. These are proven facts. Um, also, Spencer Brown is the player I was trying to think of earlier. Spencer Brown. Yeah, as the new Jason Peters. Oh, just like, like a super athletic t- tackle. Yeah, kind of like who can, who can do it all. Yeah, kind of like it. Spencer Brown has a great picture with a uh, Maddie Glab of the Bills. Because uh-huh. she, she is like, what, 5'1"? Oh, one? she's so short. Yeah, yeah. So and Spencer Brown picture. just looks like 10 times her size yeah. when they're put side by side. It, it's very, it's it's quite funny, actually. It's almost, you know, deceiving to the eye. Tony, anything else about this officiating? I went on my rant. It was very poor. It cost the Bills the game. I, I, I'm putting it number one. I'm bumping it up the power rankings as to reasons we lost this game. What are your feelings on it? Anything we haven't uh, said yet? I don't think it's the reason we lost the game. Uh, but, well, maybe it is a reason we lost the game. <laughs> maybe, it maybe, it's, maybe it's the reason we lost the game. <laughs> but, I was, but, I mean, I was about to say, I was like, well, is that the reason we lost the game? Or is going down by 24 points in the first half the reason we lost the game? I mean, that well, was... I don't know. The way, that's another reason we lost the game. I, there's, oh, there's a lot of blame that can go around. But and I would like to say, and they're not exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive from each other, but they could be. <laughs> and uh, I would say that the arguments there are the best reason lost the game. But I'm pissed at more people than just the refs. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. A lot of people are about to get theirs are in you, the next segment. Are you pissed at the coaching staff? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. Who who are you most peeved with? We'll give it PG. Table. Shocker. Shocker. Seems to be seems to not be having the greatest season. Maybe they need to well, move. Maybe they need to move him like farther up in the stadiums. Like he yeah. he went from field <laughs> to booth. Now just put him like Bathroom you know towers. It, yeah, put him in the tower. tower yeah, put him in the put him in the sniper tower where it mm-hmm. put him in the helicopter above above, above the stadium, getting the aerial yeah, views. Yeah, get, get him in the plane on the flyover. Yes, exactly. He needs to be higher. I think. I think that's 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 really the cause of his deficiencies this year right um, i would i would say so i i will have to say we we called for it last week just abandon the run and he did do that yes finally <laughs> there, there, finally there was no runs the first half the first run actually uh-huh. came on a fake punt which was a terrible decision and terribly executed in every which way but I, I do have to give him a little kudos for just abandoning the run. I think they supplemented what would be a run game for short passes, which also drove uh-huh. me a little crazy. Yes. But but 
he listened. He listened. He changed it up. I thought he was He's more... He's a known listener to this podcast. <laughs> he is. Uh, shout out Brian Dable. Thanks for listening, Brian. Yo, uh, Brian! Dave's. <laughs> Short passes drove me nuts. I thought he was a little more creative, though. And I think the creativity came when and we'll probably get into this more with the offense in general but i thought the creativity came when emmanuel sanders went down with an injury i thought oh, Ga- i thought yes. gabe davis being in there for a majority of the snaps allowed him to be a little more creative i think gabe davis is a little better blocker in the run game and i'm talking about josh allen design runs and things like that uh i think gabe davis gives him a little more options in the past game with his body control and his catch radius and routes he can run i thought they got a little more creative when sanders came out and long story short i'd like to see gabe davis get more snaps <laughs> me too and he's i think he's the most physical receiver absolutely of talent and so i would like to see us diversify uh with a little physicality in there too especially where the secret's out on getting a little stickier with our coverage with you know with the coverage against us and because they know from the next-gen stats that we just shared about pass interference that it's easy to get away with that against the Bills. So see, the, the secret's out on that. So, yeah, I would like to see a little bit of an increase in physicality in the form of more snaps for our man Gabriel Davis. I also thought, beyond just Emmanuel Sanders coming in, I agree with you about the creativity deal. But I always expected that from the beginning of the game, as soon as I saw the inactives, that we were going to have seven wide receivers available in there. Every wide receiver was available. Um, So that's when I was, that's when Twitter started to get excited that we were just going to really let Josh do his thing. Um, But I also knew that finally that was going to be a point of, of creativity of finally Dable listening to us. Like he should have been the whole time and the whole season. Yeah. To not make the game plan just about matchups, but just to focus his play calling towards positive matchups but still be doing everything because they can't just defend everything. He always liked the matchup, and then the offense just became one-dimensional. Right. Finally, in this past game, it was multi-dimensional. And he did that without the run game or by abandoning the run game, which is fine. That's what it takes. That's what I'm talking about. Bring it on, Dave. And, and that being said, despite that being said, the Bills had a terrible first half offensively. And I, I got to think, you know, the blame falls solely on the offensive line and its struggles um and this kind of goes in with the coaching as well because the bucks came into this game as one of the highest rated blitzing teams like most most blitzes per down whatever what they blitz a lot is what i'm trying to say okay and why the bills were not ready for that at least in the first half uh, yeah, I, I don't understand why. Like, what are Wait, we? Do they not watch the Super Bowl? Don't they know Shaq Barrett's pretty good? Did, did they not watch any? Do they not look at any stats? Do they not watch any uh, game right. film? Like the Bucks have a very good defensive line, and they blitz a ton with that very good defensive line. So why Josh Allen was pressured on pretty much every drop back. There were there were plays where he couldn't even get it to his first read before he was pressured or sacked or whatever. Like that's not a way to operate in this offense. Um I thought speaking of Spencer Brown, I thought he struggled mightily, which is understandable for a rookie to go against uh, a guy who consistently leads the league in sacks year after year in Shaq Barrett. I thought he was much better, and this is probably credit to his athleticism. When they 
put him like in, on the move, like on sweeps when they when they got him out in the flat, when they allowed him to use his athleticism. I thought he looked good, like mauling guys, opening holes, sustaining blocks. When he's when you're just asking him to do the the standard pass protection, uh, he he looks like he, he looks like a rookie sometimes. Um, sometimes uh-huh. he looks great, sometimes he looks like a rookie. But the offensive line, I thought as a whole, just struggled but again kudos to them second half they came out made adjustments and obviously had a much better second half but i I thought the first half was obviously terrible going down 21 uh not looking like they even belong i was very much thinking this was going to be a blowout (laughs) like a a 41 to 10 game and it seemed like that very early on like this was all falling apart Even even at the start of the second half with the fake punt botching that like why? Why again? Coaching. Why run a fake punt? And, and a terrible fake punt. And it, that was just like the a poorly designed fake punt. It did not make any sense. It didn't make any sense. And I think I hated it. I think Joe Biscaglia had a great breakdown on the Athletic about the fake punt play in particular, and just saying how the Bucks were completely ready for it based on three facts. Like Matt Breda was out there, and Matt Breda is <laughs> usually not on punt coverage, so there was something off right there. Uh, the Buccaneers were also in pretty much their standard defense. They weren't in typical punt coverage. Like they had Levante David and Devin White and guys who are starters in their base defense out there. So they knew something was afoot there as well. And then just the terrible execution on top of it from the Bills. So I guess it goes back to why are we not putting the ball in our best players' hands in those situations? Mm-hmm. If you're going to get two yards, what's your highest success rate of getting two yards? It's probably Josh Allen, right? It's not Matt Breda on a fake punt. I don't know what it is with this coaching, Tony. I don't know if they are trying too hard. We talked about last week kind of square peg, round hole situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do you think it is? I mean, they just seem week after week to be inept at, at scheming correctly in the week leading up, and then they make adjustments and... By that time, it's a little too little too late. What's your biggest beef with the coaching staff currently? Well, I think that, as we all learned in the Rex Ryan era, the players adopt the personality of the coach. Yeah. And what have we seen the players adopt this year, in my own theory, is that they have an extreme overconfidence to the point where they just like, what is finally going to humble them? You know, they're doing terrible. And they look like garbage. And then I look at the likes of that they are constantly overconfident, even though, like, it's not going well. And then I think about that Dable is the most, is such a beloved coach in that locker room. There's a lot of Dable guys. I think that that overconfidence comes from him because he believes in his players so much. And we see that in his play calling that you wanted to be like, look, man, this isn't working. Right. Don't call this play anymore. Right. But then he continues to do it because I think that he really believes in his players and they believe in him. And that's cute, but this is real life where we're trying to get wins, buddy. So my thing with that is uh, he's got to make the is he's got to make the adjustments that will actually yield results, not the adjustments that he or not the like game planning that he thinks is going to yield results because he has so much confidence in you know in Devin Singletary or in what Matt Breed is going to do on a fake punt or something. Yeah, I- it doesn't add up to me. But I also. I don't know. Lately, I've been kind of thinking about giving the Bills more benefits of the doubt because I don't know the analytics on these on every play or like these ideas and these concepts of like what's the high percentage stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Am I being too critical? Like maybe I'm. Maybe the math says I'm wrong. 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I don't have the math in front of me. Uh, I know. Maybe it's common core math and nobody understands it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you want to talk about hot topics? Yeah, seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to talk about diseases? <laughs> but you did mention kind of what it, what is that moment that is going to humble them. And yeah. it seems like this game is that moment. And, and it's tough to say this because we said it before, like, oh, this play is the, 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 the Cardinals Hail Mary moment where they kind of wake up and, and mm-hmm. come to their senses and whatever. Or and we said that a bunch of times this year. It seems like listening to the players post game, Listening to them talk about Josh and his performance and the man put the team on his back over 300 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing on a bum ankle, just the effort, the warrior-like nature of his performance, that kind of feels like the moment, the moment that humbles them and say, okay, this guy is playing at an insanely high level. We need to match it. We need to step up for him. Yes. And that's why I'm Someone, hoping that's why I'm hoping like the next four games are are that win streak that we've been searching for this entire season pretty much. That also it also gives me hope. I saw someone tweet right after the game that that Levi Wallace pass interference has origin story written all over it. And that made a lot of sense to me and it gave me a lot of hope. Origin that, story for uh, Levi or origin story for the team? Why not both? Why not both? I like it. And I was like, yeah, this like is... we can hang. Maybe we can look at that moment and say that was the moment that the adversity that the Bucks give us, the adversity that the league gives us. It's Buffalo versus everybody. Mm-hmm. Buffalo and versus the world. Right. And let's uh, see what we can do with it. Let's take this thing right to the top. Ab- Put Dable in the bathroom towers. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, this. This game just seems like from where they started going down big in the first half to the seemingly insurmountable odds of coming back that they did. They came back, taking it to overtime, and then losing the way they did against the Super Bowl champions, the reigning Super Bowl champions. Man, talk about a roller coaster of a game, but I feel like that performance from Josh is the one that, A, not only justifies the this is our guy, and this is will be the guy for the next 15 years conversation. And it was right to pay him all the money that contract gives him. But B, this is also the moment that maybe saves our season because people need to step up to his level. He's he's bringing his A game. He's putting the team on his back. That feel that feels like the moment to me that kind of saves our season. And I and I hope I'm I'm not wrong. I hope I don't eat those words. The offense does need to definitely sustain drives. Um, mm-hmm. Two for 13 on third down this game. Uh, not great. We're talking about Common Core math being frustrating with numbers. Like two for 13 is a frustrating number to look at as well. Yeah. That's all I have about the offense. I I, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about so, it. So are you saying that your anticipation is that the first half of this week's game against Carolina is going to look like the second half of last week's game. Like you think that this is truly a turning corner and now the offense is going to be like on, on the regular this season. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's such a tough question. Cause I think it falls back on Josh's injury. Oh, that's a good point. Uh-huh. I, I think if Josh was completely healthy, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they've quote unquote found their identity and it's, put the ball in our MVP caliber players' hands <laughs> uh, to be the most successful we can be. But with that Josh injury and 
you know, knock on wood, it doesn't seem as bad as it did immediately after the game. Right. He was limited in practice, but, you know, he's at Hamilton with no boot, walking fine. Also, yeah, and you know those chase stairs. Those aren't those stairs aren't easy. Those stairs are not easy. Carpeted. <laughs> yeah. Carpeted they stairs are very difficult length. to walk up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and and just to get in the balcony alone, that's got to be a tight squeeze. Um, I know. <laughs> so Josh, uh, limited in practice, going to Hamilton. He seems okay, non-contact. I I would imagine he'll be limited all week based on football lingo. I think if that guy's even 70%, he's good to go. I think a 70% Josh Allen is gives us a much better chance of winning than 100% Mitch Trubisky. Yes, I know he's MVP, Tony, but I, 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 need, I need Josh here. I like Mitch Trubisky. I'm, a Mitch, I, I, I'm, I'm a not Trubisky saying fan. I dislike him. I'm, not, I'm just saying a guy who... I don't know. A guy who has played very little game snaps this year... And I know his snaps have come in garbage time when we've been up by, what, 30 against Texans and whatnot. To put that guy in fresh and expect him to win a very crucial game, and yes, it's not as crucial as the week following against the Patriots, but we need wins, whether they're coming against NFC teams, AFC teams, AFC East rivals, what we need wins at this point. And this is a very, very winnable game. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I like my chances with a, a banged up Josh more than a fresh Trubisky. Maybe I just don't like backup players, Tony. Wow. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah you, want, you want the starters then. Let's I can sim- understand that point. Sim- uh, is the Josh Allen injury concerning to you? Not in the least bit. No? I don't think it's anything. No. I, he w- I mean, he was running pretty, like, pretty, pretty finely. Yeah. yeah, pretty effectively after the fact, even in the game. And, okay, he goes in the boot, but then I saw him at Hamilton. I saw him at the Elm Street Bakery, you know, via pictures on Twitter. I didn't see him directly. Right. But, you know, I mean, Elm Street Bakery has a really tight parking lot. So he's obviously <laughs> navigating that uh, unless he parked in the street, which, you know, there's a lot of stones in that side of the street where you have to pull over in East Aurora. So that's a piece of it, too. That's right. All right. For more East Aurora analysis, <laughs> check out our podcast on Western New York Geography. For more Western New York topography talk. Yeah. It's We Not Funny Topography Podcast. It's going to come out on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Yes. We're talking all about parking lot gravel next episode. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I like a fine gravel, man. I'm more of a stones guy. Mm. Rounded stones, maybe pebbleish, oh. if you will. Rounded stones. Oh my gosh! Okay, uh, I know life of luxury here. Yeah, I know. You want those things to be ridden by the rain <laughs> over the course of the last five hundred years? Right. We know some of our friends are grass lot people who don't like concrete at all. Well, there's a lot to analyze about the grass lot topography, <laughs> far beyond just the grass itself. Very much so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the multiple? No, I won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not worried about the Josh injury either. Uh, back to your original point or question, though. Because of the Josh injury, and let's say he is 70 to 80% this game, I think the offense will look a little different. I see less Josh design runs and more using his arm. Uh, having him in shotgun, which I'm not the biggest fan of because I like him out of center with play action dictating kind of the flow of the game. I think he was very successful with that Sunday as well, play action plays. But due to his injury, I'd rather just have him in shotgun just slinging the ball and against a pretty good Panthers defense. I think they're 
I think they're top 10 in DVOA, but it seems to be like a team running on fumes on offense, especially not playing for anything, obviously. I, I think Josh Allen could just beat him with his arm, honestly, this game. So that's what I'm looking for. I think so, too. I would, I would like that to have been every game. Yeah. That'd be nice if Josh Allen could just stand back there with protection and have all day and just sling it around to open receivers. That'd be that'd be a dream come true. Yes. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, Tony, no, unfortunately, we have to give it to Devin Singletary 95 times. Every oh, okay, he got what? How many carries did he get Sunday? You are on this Devin Singletary hate tour. <laughs> I kind of am, yeah. I don't, and I don't know why. Please tell me why, because he was again. Yeah, he was kind of effective. I he guess was, he was again fine. good. He's just boring. Like he's just boring. How is I think he boring? That's what it is. He had four what's carries. He, he... Four carries for fifty-two yards. He averaged over ten yards a carry. Over eleven yeah. yards a carry. Over twelve yards a carry. I'm doing the math right now. I would just want someone who's gonna. I don't know. I, he's not. He's just not. He's not explosive. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You, but you, then you tell me those stats, and you're like, "Oh, well, that sounds like an explosive player to me." But no, he's not. He's not just not that explosive. So he's not. Exciting. I don't know. It's not fun. Like it's. He's a running back. He's but he's not one of those fun running backs. <laughs> no, he's he's only an effective running back. That's yeah. We don't I'm need. We don't fun, need one, I'm of one of those fun running backs. You're one of those fun ones. Yeah. Effectiveness be darned. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's all I got about the offense, Tony. Anything else to note that you would like to discuss? Mm, I was actually uh, really leery going into that when I saw that Dawson Knox was the only tight end that was active. Yeah. And I was like, wow, really putting your eggs into one basket. It worked out okay. Worked out okay. I did not yeah. like, I will say I did not like both McKenzie and Marquez Stevenson being active. I didn't like the both of them being back there on punt and kick returns. I think they did that a couple times, but it, like, what's the point? What are we doing here? I expected more when I saw them both back there. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if we're gonna do like a home like run a throwback trick, kind yeah, of thing like or a something. Trick play. Yeah, and then we never did, and I'm like, oh, all right. So yeah, we never did, and it just takes away a blocker. <laughs> like, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So yeah. what's going yeah. on here? Like, just put Mackenzie back there. He's obviously more effective. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Moving out of the defense, Tony. Up and down game. Obviously, very rough first half. And just like on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, I think we got to look to the trenches again. This non-existent pass rush is becoming a problem for the Buffalo Bills. It's a, it's a, we got a big problem, Jerry. We got a big like, problem. This is, we got a big problem. It's huge. It's a, well, yeah. I mean, when are they going to figure this thing out? You know who's not bad? <laughs> is uh, Eli Ed Oliver. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. But Ed Oliver at least is getting penetration, like, you know, yeah. enough, I think. He's obviously... The best player on that line. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it just kind of sucks that it's not coming from the outside. But then you look at a player like Shaq Barrett, that's what kind of stinks about this game is because you look at a player like Shaq Barrett and it's like, oh man, well, he's doing it inside, he's doing it outside, he's doing it across. Right. He's going side to side. It's like, it's, where's that player? I, yeah. And it makes me kind of disappointed like, that we invest so much in the defensive line, namely this past offseason, seemingly in the pass rush. But, like, where is it really getting us? Like, it's two by the book. Like, we can't have five Jerry Hughes and expect it to work out. We need a little diversity on that line as far as skill sets go, I think. I agree. I, that's always been my problem with Bean's philosophy, and I love Bean as a GM. I think he does a lot of good things, and he has misses, of course. I think one of his big faults is I think he – kind of pinpoints how he wants a player at a position to be so at wide receiver he wants he doesn't want big guys he wants good route runners even though Gabe Davis is pretty tall but you know for the most part Sanders Diggs Beasley 
smaller guys with good route running ability. And on defensive end, it's the same philosophy. It seems like he has a type that he just, he likes. He's swiping right on every time Uh and not diversifying it. Like, where is the Shaq Barrett? Where is these quick twitch, bendy, just consistent threats of pass rushers? And I was hoping it would be AJ Epinesa this year. And And it seemed to be very early on in the season, and I'm probably going right to that first Miami Dolphins game where he just looks so good coming off the edge with speed and his his pass rushing moves and, and but that disappeared quickly and now it just seems like we got a bunch of guys who yeah they get pressure but they can't produce sacks they're not consistently a threat to the quarterback they didn't make, I don't feel like they they rarely threatened Brady in this game other than some maybe disguise blitzes with Milano where where's Where's the pass rush? I, I I'm kind of I'm done with Mario Addison. I don't I don't know. Does it fall on Eric Washington? Oh, don't even get me started. Uh, that's a, I have no I, reason I, other I, than I know that I have decided that I'm triggered by Eric Washington because I don't think he should be the next defensive coordinator after Leslie Frazier gets a head coaching job. Oh, absolutely but I, not. Yeah, but I know, but I think that that's what we're gonna end up with. We went through it. That's how we, it's gonna shake out. We went through it a couple weeks ago. Like, has he done anything to this defensive line to help them improve? Like. It seems like the two young guys have hit a wall. Basham and I'm talking about Rousseau and Epinesa. Right, right. Like Hughes and Addison, yes, their pressure rates are good, but their sack numbers are very, very bad. Like Ed Oliver seems to be the only guy that seems to be thriving, and maybe Eli Anukwa or Anquo or however you pronounce his name, practice squad guy who has been brought up in recent weeks who seems to be okay. Harrison Phillips seems to be slowly progressing or improving. But as a whole, I'm looking at the edges and I'm not seeing anything from these edges. I don't, I don't know what right. they I don't know what they do. Like I'm at, I'm at a mindset now that I think they got to invest again on edges this offseason. I I kind of agree with you, I think. We just need a um, super bendy guy. Like for example, 2 years ago, there was a guy coming out of Tennessee, Daryl Taylor, who got drafted by the Seahawks, who was a very good player. Like and every time I watch a Seahawks game, whenever they're on national television, I watch a Seahawks game. He's very noticeable. The announcers are talking about it. Like, that's a guy I wanted. And you could see from his college tape and his highlights how he just popped and how he had speed and quick twitch and get off uh, on the snap ability. Like, But the, I don't think that's the guy Bean wants. I think he wants tall, lanky guys who win with technique and they're not going to get to the quarterback disrupt the play with their length i i I don't know like it i'm absolutely with you 100 percent. like there needs to be some versatility i need a yeah a smaller bendy just quick twitchy guy either in free agency or in this draft i hope it's free agency i don't want to draft another one yeah i feel like that we just just keep happening (laughs) you know i know so it, it falls to the question of, where's Mike Love? That guy's always showing up preseason. Why don't we give him a chance? We talked about <laughs> give, showing, give we talked about chance, showing some love in this podcast, Tony. Yeah. I think this Grab is a love. Up, hug him. Hug him. And put him on the active roster. Put him on the active roster. That's right. Dane Jackson, I thought, was very good. The task, obviously, as compared to the Patriots game, was much tougher this week with dealing with Mike Evans. Godwin at some points, Gronkowski at some points. I thought he made a couple nice plays. Like he did not look out of place at all. Mm-hmm. I thought that's exactly how I would put it. I he looked like he belonged enough, and that was my biggest concern. Like, okay, is this is going to be a liability. Is he kind of carried by the safeties? Yeah, probably. It's fine. 
whatever. If it works, it works. Sure. I don't know if Tampa Bay is the right team to have this um, to have this measuring stick for because not you know like Tampa Bay was running their offense really well. It wasn't like a Hyden Jordan Poyer and. Levi Wallace were just like shutting it down, and then oh, all of a sudden, here's the black sheep of the group, Dane Jackson. It wasn't like that, you know. Everybody was getting theirs. Everyone was finding ways into a lack of success. So I can, I, I'm, I guess, optimistic or like in a positive sense about where Dane Jackson is in these circumstances. But I think it's going to be a lot. Um, I think Carolina will reveal more than Tampa Bay revealed. Make, made a couple of nice pass breakups. Again, tough task defending those Bucks receivers. Um, mm-hmm. Again, tell two halves. First half, they let up over, defense as a whole, that is, let up over 300 yards to the Bucks, including another big run to Leonard Fournette. It seems to be a common occurrence, giving up big runs week after week for this mm-hmm. defense. And I, I honestly don't know what they do to fix it. Um, I, I actually have an idea, but it's never going to come to fruition. Um, okay. Propose your idea. Let's go. I think I think Trey Edmonds needs to be benched. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, I'm going. There. I don't know him. I don't know him. <laughs> you don't know me, or, you. you don't know me or Tremaine Edmonds. You. <laughs> trying to disassociate myself from you for that idea. No, I mean it's a wild overreaction. He's clearly the second best linebacker on this team. Yeah. But I was going to say, because I'm like, also keep in mind that the second team linebackers are on the COVID list. <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly what I'm keeping in mind. He just makes too many plays. He doesn't He doesn't make enough impact, and he's too much of a liability in both pass and, and run. There was a, was it a third and one, a four, maybe even a fourth and one, handoff to Fournette. Edmonds has him stopped in the backfield, and Fournette's able to evade, not evade the tackle, but shed the tackle and get the first down like we always talk week after week about and this is why he's a sticking point for me about Tremaine Edmonds making impactful plays mm-hmm. making plays that, that was the perfect example of a play that he was right there for a play that he could have made that might have changed the course of the game and he failed to do it and then we fast forward to overtime and yeah maybe the coverage was uh confusing and guys got mixed up on a crossing route shocker I say it every week, run crossing routes to confuse the defense. I say it every week in the Bucks. How often do you say it? Every week Mm -hmm. and the Bucks do it and win the game on it, of course. But the last, the last visual we get is Tremaine Edmonds helplessly, I guess is the right word, chasing down Brashad Perriman, Brashad Perriman on the game winning touchdown. And maybe he got confused. Maybe he got held up. Maybe he, that wasn't his assignment, but that's the last visual I saw like is him helplessly trying to chase down a guy. I, I, I don't know, Tony. I don't know what it is with him. He just doesn't, he doesn't, well, do, I don't think he, he was supposed to be, he doesn't do it for me. Okay. Yeah. I, he's a polarizing player amongst Bill's mafia for sure. Absolutely. Um, it's tough. Cause we, I don't know. I guess I would want to know like, what's the next option? Like I would want to be like, what, like, I would want someone to say to me, you can have Tremaine Edmonds, or we can draft this guy. What do you think about those comparisons? Or we can have Tremaine Edmonds, but we also could sign this guy. Right. And then I would be like, well, I want to know how I feel about the other person. Like, I'm open-minded to getting a new idea, but I'm also a little bit like, mm, is that idea going to be good? Is that idea going to work either? I don't know. You know, I like him. Yeah, yeah I mean, again... 
when he has the opportunity to make an impactful play, it just seems like he he doesn't come through. Yeah, but sometimes he does. Like his impactful plays are the ones you don't notice. I notice a lot of. That's the nature of the beast. I know a lot of. I notice a lot of things he does wrong, <laughs> and maybe that's no? just because he's the he's the player that I've. That you decided you hate. I don't hate him. That's the thing. Like I don't hate. You know who I don't like? Who don't you like? Marquez Stevenson. I've decided I don't like him. Is this because I don't like Tremaine Edmonds and we're just picking players we don't like? Yeah, let's just turn the pot. Yeah, let's just shift it all to this. <laughs> uh, why don't you like Marquez Stevenson? I don't know. He's not that good. Okay. I mean, I mean, he's a six-round rookie. You know, whatever. But it just feels like everyone on the offense is just way better than him. And you want to be like, how did this guy make the team? <laughs> right. Like, you know, like he doesn't I'm like, you don't look like you should be on this team. Like, you could maybe be on another team, but, like, not this team. Can I Can I, Can I? I give you my biggest uh, sticking point? Because I'm not, like, the greatest fan of Marcus Stevenson either. Can I give you my okay. biggest uh, gripe with him? Yeah. I don't think he's that fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, his old, his old thing and is supposed to be the speed. One job to do. This whole thing right. is supposed to be speed, and I'm like, okay, when he gets to top speed, he might be a fast guy, but it takes him uh, forever to get up there, to ramp up. Right. Right? Like, I can see that, yeah. Mackenzie's just, I Mackenzie's just fast. fast. I don't. I really don't. His name is Flash. Uh, like, they call him Flash Stevenson, right? I, I've heard him say that. <laughs> I don't think he's that fast. He's faster than me, that's for sure. But well, when compared to other football players. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like, it seems like he catches that punt, and it's like... Okay, come on, guy, get going. That's my that's my biggest gripe with Mark Hutt. Yeah, that's, maybe that's what I'm just, like, seeing. Like, I just see him in punt returns, and I'm like, well, this isn't that good. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's why I'm just like, put Stevenson back there. Yeah, yeah. Or McKenzie. No, you're like, put McKenzie back yeah, there. Yeah, put McKenzie right. back there. What, what else about this defense? Milano, I thought was great again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy's just... He's good. Tireless effort all over the field, whether it's blitzing or pass protection. Just Now, that's a guy... I think that's why the Tremaine Edmonds thing sticks so much is because Milano is consistently making plays, like consistently doing something impactful, and you just want to you just want a double dose of that, and you you expect it with a first round player like Edmonds, mm-hmm. not a fifth round trade player it up for him. like Milano, a, a player you traded up for. So I I'm just saying like Milano being so great, I don't think does Edmonds any favors. Yeah, but again, kudos to the defense for turning around the second half, giving up. Over 300 yards, as I mentioned in the first half, just over 100 yards in the second half, and that's again without a, a pass rush. The, I thought the coverage was was very good because Brady had a lot of time back there where he could just do his Brady thing as he typically does against the Bills and just kind of dink and dunk and kind of pick them apart and slice and dice them without having any long, big plays. So again, good good job to Leslie Frazier, I guess, <laughs> making adjustments. And I do want yeah, to the Bills for finally turning on the heart. Turning that's on the really heart. What we've, that's really what we've been waiting for, I think. Oh, yeah. They were the Tin Man. Just They, yeah. they, they needed a heart. Yeah, there you go. They yeah, they were it. the Tin Man. They finally got it. Yeah. They finally got their heart. And that's beautiful. Thank you. Poetic, if you will. I also just want to, before we wrap up this game, because we don't really call it out often, or this player often, Shout out to Matt Hawk. I thought he was really good. He had a, he had a nice punt. He, he had a couple punt. nice punts. Yeah, he had a nice. He was all right. Yeah. For a guy I'm that not, for a guy that every time he punts, I, I'm like biting my nails that it's gonna get blocked. Yeah. Not only did he not I'm, get any blocked, he made some nice punts as well. 
I'll still take the Horcas, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't beat singing Bon Jovi or Goo Goo Dolls at Mr. Goodbar. Of course. (laughs) But I I just... We don't don't usually call out the uh, punter this year for for positive things. I thought he was really good this game, so... Kudos to Matt Hawk. Shout out Matt Hawk. Hack, Hawk, whatever your last name is. Good first name, too, if I do say so myself. All right. All right, now I'm just posturing. Tony, anything else about this game that you wanted to mention? Anything that was a sticking point for you, good or bad? Yeah, you know, okay, we didn't do, I was, there were so many times, especially in, you know, the latter part of the game, when I said out loud, even though I was glad, like, in many of those cases that we weren't running the ball, I was still like, oh, that was a stupid play. Like, that was a stupid call of that pass play. I'm really not into when you need a conversion, like a third down conversion, and then you don't send the ball. Like, you rely on the playmaker, you rely on the receiver to, like, run seven yards. Yeah. Like, I want Josh to be passing it to or past the first down marker that you need. I hate that. I, I, I do as well. And a perfect example of that was... With the game on the line. Yes. Gabriel Davis. Yes. They needed, what, four yards, and he caught it, let's say, two and a half yards off the line to scrimmage, and then a heck of an effort from him, if I do say so myself, to get the first down because he was yeah. he was dead to rights. But Yeah, he was a big hero in that moment. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree, but then... But then all of a sudden, but why he, is he has to catch route? it in the flat and doesn't make the conversion. Right. So it's like, I, I can't, that's why I brought up about like the analytics. Like, I don't know what the analytics says, if this is supposed to be a successful play. But based on like, if I look at those two things, I'm like, I can't imagine that this is a successful, a high success rate play. This doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. I'd re- so I'd much rather have Josh getting a little more downfield. That's the only other kind of thing that's been sticking with me all week as I've tried to navigate through my emotions on this. Yeah, and on top of that, because I do agree, like that's very frustrating when they need six yards and they're running three-yard routes, you know? Right. Why don't you run that play on a previous down, on an early down? Well, I don't know. Why does he run all the time on second and long? It doesn't make sense. I don't know. Why do we run at all? Why Why do do we we even have running backs? Why do kids start at different reading levels? I don't know. Questions that don't make sense, Tony. Why does my mom not love me as much as my brother? Like, I don't know. Mm. Question. Okay, now... Now we're getting there. Okay, now you know. Now, the... now we're finding what we have to unpack. <laughs> now, now we're, we're making digging progress. Deep. Now we're digging deep. <laughs> no, I agree. But again, I think to wrap this up, I, I will say I feel much better about where this team is after this game than at any point I did the past month after any of the past four games prior to this. It was to see what we did in the second half of that game. It was a little bit liberating. To see some heart yes. out of this, to see some potential reached. Yes, that's why I feel much better about this team than I have in a, in a while. So uh, my ending message is just get to the playoffs. Just make it somehow and then start playing like you did that second half for an entire game. And I think we'll be good. <laughs> like, honestly, when we play like that, as evident going against the Super Bowl champions, the reigning Super Bowl champions, <clears throat> we can beat anyone if we play like that, if we... If we're effective like that. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because it, it allows you to picture what this team could have been this whole season. And it also recalls the deficiencies for the 
prior 13 weeks of the season. Yes. Well. So it, it, it was it was a very, like I said, roller coastery game. Tony, but that's all I have. We got a big game against the Panthers coming up. Must win, as all, like I said. They kind of got to run the table now. Uh, if not, go 3-1 and one at worst. So backs up against it, but I'd, I'd much rather be back up against the wall with a team that heart like the one in the second half that showed up yeah. in the second half than the one that yeah. uh, if they come up, played if against they come the Colts. If they come up on Sunday, then they can F off. Yep, they, they, but, <laughs> they can F off is right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Tony, let's uh, wrap it up. But first, we're going to get word from our sponsor, and we'll be back after the break. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now, back to the show. And we are back wrapping up the episode. Tony, I thought we'd do something a little, little new. We always start the podcast by saying the self-proclaimed number one podcast in sports and entertainment we don't just talk about sports, obviously, with our various pop culture references. Uh, there's a podcast I listen to called DLC. At the end of the episodes, it's a video game podcast. At the end of the episodes, they do something called Parting Gifts, where they you know, they talk about video games through the whole episode, but the Parting Gift is something outside of that realm. So I thought we'd do the same thing for our listeners. Tony, what is something outside of sports that you, is a suggestion you can give to the listeners, maybe... It's a, a music, a band released a new album. It's a movie to go see, a show to watch, a book to read, or anything else outside of sports. What suggestion do you have for the listeners to do in their spare time when not watching mm. sports? Well, you know my go-to, I was ready to say, the second season of Saved by the Bell ah. is pretty tight on Peacock. Is the it, new Saved is the it Bell, better than the first season? I don't know. They're both pretty strong. They're both okay. pretty good. First but I'm actually going to say because I'm actually going to say is in service because I know that the um, alternative station in Buffalo is no longer servicing the alternative crowd. It's but country. here in Rochester, country. we have one, and there is a song that gets played on that station that is just polarizing for many. And I am in the pro side of this. And uh, have you ever heard the song "Chase Long" by Wet Leg? Matt? <laughs> no. Chase Long? Well, I should say Chase Long. Chase Long. Like a Chase Lounge, but they say it wrong. C-H-A-I-S-E. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yes. Yes, I will like. I'm just going to take you through the first stanza. It's a little song that goes, Mommy, Daddy, look at me. I went to school and I got a degree. All my friends call it the Big D. I went to school and I got the Big D. I got the big D, I got the big D, I got the big D, I went to school and I got the big D. Wow. Lyrical that's geniuses. <laughs> as good as it, that's not as good as it gets because the next line is a question. And it's a question that I will ask you genuinely here, Matt. Okay. Is your muffin buttered? <laughs> is this related to the big D? <laughs> Follow-up question. Would you like us to assign someone to butter your muffin? Are these lyrics in the song? This is, this is exactly what I'm saying. This is a song that, even when it was introduced on the radio, it said, a lot of people hate this song, but we're playing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then they played it, and I was like, I can't, I cannot. I can't unhear this. I need to listen to it like, again. I, I can't not be fascinated by this song. 
because it is just insane from top to bottom. It's just bananas. So I hope you play 19 and a half seconds of this song. I hope you edit it in to this podcast. Shay's Long by Wet Leg. <laughs> we might run into some copyright issues if we do, but... <laughs> no, because you can play up to 20 so- up to twenty seconds. Is that is that the law? Yeah, that's real. Okay. Yeah, that's really 19 something. And a, 19.9 seconds of yeah. Wet and Leg then, uh, Chase and Lounge. I, and I hope that our <laughs> listeners give it a listen, because you know what? They're going to hate it. <laughs> But, but that's the point. <laughs> kind of, it kind of is. And yet, and yet it's still going to become a part of you. <laughs> it will become part of your life. So you're saying yeah. if there, if you had a, uh, a a soundtrack to your life, Tony, you would have Wet Lag, Chase Lounge <laughs> as part of that soundtrack? I mean, yeah, because I'm, as the chorus goes, all day long, all day long, on the Shays Long. <laughs> I'm just on the Shays Long all day long. So it's That's Shay's the soundtrack long. of my life, baby. Okay. I will have to listen to this. This sounds like... I don't even know. Like It sounds like the Bloodhound Gang should be playing this. It's kind of, because it is just bananas. <laughs> it's It sounds bananas. I'll have to listen to it. Listeners, that is Tony's suggestion for you. Go listen to Wet Leg. And maybe, it's psychotic. And maybe some of their other songs. And, uh, let's, no. I, no. I, I hope you survive. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Tony, my parting gift to listeners, uh, and this one's going to go for uh, out to all the dads out there, such as uh, myself, and I'm going to put it in our own backyard here in Buffalo. I'm going to go with Fisher-Price Little People as my oh, parting gift, yes. and not just because, you know, it's a nice toy for the little ones to play with, Fish- and, and I didn't know this before, but Fisher-Price has come out with pop culture little people, so they have an oh. off- like an, a set from The Office with like Michael and Jim and Pam. They obviously have the Bills fans ones with Josh Allen and McDermott and the chicken wing head guy. They have one for the Golden Girls. What father does not want to play with their kid, some little people, and reenact scenes from the Golden Girls? <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, you got me intrigued. Yeah. Enough. Um, there's some wrestling ones. There's, uh, some music ones with the Beatles, a set of the Beatles oh. and Kiss. Cause every kid, uh, you know, just loves Kiss. I know Kiss. I do. Yeah. I know I did as a kid. <laughs> that's what, that's what two-year-old Tony was doing, was playing with. I mean, your, yeah. fa- your favorite Christmas movie is Kiss Saves Christmas, so uh, it makes sense. Christmas movie is, Chris- is Kiss Saves Christmas. <laughs> that makes Kiss sense. Me. But no, kudos to Fisher-Price. A company right in the backyard here in Buffalo, making little people more accessible for the adults. It's not just princesses and standard occupational things like uh, nurse or vet or teacher or handyman or whatever. Now we're getting into pop culture. So I just want to say from one dad to Fisher Price, thank you for making (laughs) playtime a little more fun for a 90s kid like myself. There you go. Uh, Tony, those are our parting gifts. So thank you. Thank you to our sponsor, of course, Traveling Growler. Pick up your last minute holiday gifts. Great stocking stuffers. www.travelinggrowler.com. Koozies starting at just $5. All different cool designs from Traveling Growler. Like I said, great last minute stocking stuffer. Go check out Traveling Growler and and, uh, check out their inventory and all the cool designs they have. Uh, And thank you to... uh, Built in Buffalo at Built in Buffalo underscore on Twitter. You can hit them up on Instagram, on Facebook, where else? YouTube. Built in Buffalo doing big things. We're going to be part of 
that podcast network, of course, as we mentioned last episode. But check out all their great shows and all the great content creators doing great stuff on the Built-In Buffalo network. Uh, and you'll probably be seeing uh, us a lot more on some of the other shows, a little cross-collaborations. So check out at Buffalo underscore. Where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever your fine podcasts are listened to for free. If you like us, leave us a review, give us a follow, subscribe. We love to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, and thank you for listening. If this is the first time listening, we hope you got a good chuckle. Maybe not a laugh. We're not trying to be funny. But if you get a loud, coarse ha or maybe a slight like scoff, we did our job, I think. Right, Tony? Yeah, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. I think it's good enough for everyone. <laughs> uh, we also have the T-shirt store, teespring.com. Um, check it out. Uh, another great holiday gift. Uh, Woody Not Funny t-shirt for the loved ones. You want to have a conversational piece at your at your Christmas family gatherings? Get a Woody Not Funny t-shirt from the t-shirt store. Teespring.com. Search Woody Not Funny. All one word. Tony, Twitter handles. Where can the listeners find you? At Tony J. Ambrose on the Twitter. At Tony486 on the Instagram. Yep. And if uh, Tony, of course, is part of the Bills Fan Advisory Board. So if you'd like to drop him a question, a comment, a helpful tip, he is your direct source. If you'd like me to lobby for something or yes. against something. He is your direct source to the Bills organization. <laughs> so make sure you hit him up. Follow him. You can follow the podcast at WoodySports716 on Instagram, on Twitter. Give us a follow. We love following back, connecting with the Bills Mafia, Sabres, Swords people, the sports communities of Buffalo and the Buffalo fans. Tony, that's all I got other than the send-off. What is your send-off for the listeners? My send-off is a musical one. It's a very musical episode for me yeah, this time around. So. And it is Happy Holidays. Ah. That's it. That's Happy it. Holidays, everybody. Happy Holidays, everyone. Yes. Yeah. Happy Holidays to all. <laughs> Happy Holidays and Go Bills. Uh, Matt would always say Go Bills as well. I'll drop a Go Bills, of course, to round it out. And as I always say, stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Later. Bye.